Glad you're here at Waypoint. My name is Blair, and you have arrived at week four of a series that we've been doing together. Um, if you want to catch up, there's lots of ways to do that. We have a podcast. We have uh, we Facebook um, stream. What is it? Live Facebook stream? What do we call it? Facebook yeah, Facebook Live. I don't care that much. It's terrible, right? But it's out there, and if you wanted to catch up, you could, but I have good news for you. Um, you you'll still understand today. Although we're going to take um, all the foundation of the last three weeks to help us understand where we're at, we're still going to um, talk about it in a way that you'll be able to pick up and you'll see what's going on. And I'll just bring you up to speed really fast. So the first week, um, Solomon looked at us and said, if you're chasing stuff for your own glory, if you want to elevate yourself, it's meaningless. Everything is. Everything that you would do that you would think would give you meaning in life isn't worth your time. Next week, he said, listen, life is hard. It's 50-50. 50% of the time, things are not going to be going well in your life. But at least God comes to you and gives you good gifts. And when that happens, you should lean in and enjoy it because it's from God's hand that that good stuff happens. And then, last week, it felt like whiplash. It felt, felt like he was saying almost the opposite. He said, I want you to live with all your might. Well, if it's meaningless and all this other stuff is happening, how can you say that, Solomon? Because Solomon said it matters what team you're on. And when you join God's team, you might not see what he's doing in the beginning and you might not see the end of what God's doing. But your little part is something that God can take and use. And so he wants you to step in and go with all your might. Live big. And this morning, we're going to add the next layer He said three things so far, and he's putting this all together because he's trying to give us a different perspective on life. He's trying to get us to a place where we're going, whoa, that's what we're supposed to do? Oddly enough, it starts off, the book starts off saying it's meaningless, and it seems like this is going to go to a dark place. But when Solomon puts all four layers together, you know what his message is going to be? You just got to live. In the face of stuff that might drag you down, When you feel like there might not be hope, you just got to live. There's a reason for you to live the way you're living. And so he's going to add this layer, a layer, and then he's going to put it all together, and all of a sudden it's all going to make sense, and it's going to be exciting. That's that's where we're going to go. Because here's what's interesting. The fourth layer that we put on today, we're going to be tempted to think that that's not encouraging. I mean, the first words we hear in our culture, we don't treat those words very kindly. We think, think very poorly of them. And I think uh, my goal today is to deliver to you what God inspired um, Solomon to write in the first place, but then help us get it right. Because these words might be challenging, but they're for our benefit, and they're for us to have a different perspective so that when we live, it matters. So that's where we're going to go. Now, as we get into it, you really have to pay attention in Ecclesiastes. You you have to assume that something is being said all the time because he was really wise. He was a really wise person. And God was inspiring him to write. And sometimes we're tempted to look at the words that are written and we kind of check out and we miss where Solomon's going. And um, he does this thing where he'll kind of repeat himself, but it's intended to set you up for the next layer that comes on. And he does that again, and he says it in a way that's just 
if you're not careful, you'll check out. I want you to show you this. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 3. And he says this, If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Wow, that was deep. Thank you, Solomon, right? Did God pay you for that line? Was that, I mean, where did that come from? It, it gets worse. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it is. Right? You're like, ah, thanks. It, it almost feels like a bad dad joke just got pulled on you. Like, he's like, then the tree fell to the right. Where did it fall? And you're like, I don't know where. Right there. <laughs> you know, and it's like Solomon's laughing, and you're like, I don't get it. What's the point? Right? There is a point to what he just said here. You know what he was trying to highlight? Stuff in life is out of your control. Most of it is. When the cloud gets full of rain, it rains, and there's nothing you can do about it. When that tree falls, whether it falls on your property or their property, nothing you could do about it. There's so much in life that's outside of your control. And he makes that point, and then he goes on, and as he fills out the rest of this chapter, and he says, because so much is outside of your control, you should live wisely. You, you should make wise choices. It, because all the stuff that he said, you can chase meaningless stuff. You can have moments where God gives you good. You can live with all your might, but you ought to do this wisely. And then, in verse 9, he gives the ultimate reason for why we would live wisely. And he sets it up by kind of going and, re- and remembering everything that he said so far. So he starts in verse 9, he says, You who are young... Be happy while you are young. As an older person, you almost think, isn't that when the people are the happiest is when they're young, right? Carefree, no worries, all that sort of thing. But if you'll pay attention, if you'll pay attention to a younger person, what you'll hear come out of their mouths more often than not is, I can't wait until, I wish I could, They're looking ahead when I can finally have freedom to be on my own, when I can finally do this, when I can finally drive, when I can finally get out of the house, when I can finally have the career that everybody else has, when I'm making enough money that everybody else is making. And I don't know why this is, but many times people who are young get drawn into this comparison thing. And we compare ourselves with each other and it drives us nuts. And Solomon was saying it's meaningless. You're young there's a lot of stuff that you should enjoy. And he's, re- he's recalling back to what he said. Be careful. Don't let this be meaningless. Then he says in verse 9, uh, yeah, it should be verse 9 instead of 8. That was confusing for a second. And let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Which, again, calls back to him saying, look, there'll be good things that come from the hand of God. You should lean in and enjoy it now. He's kind of remembering where he's taking everybody. Then he says, follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. Live big. Live with all your might. The stuff that you see, go for it. Go big. And then, then he adds the fourth layer. He says, but know that for all of these things, God will bring you into judgment. You should live wise because God 
will bring you in the judgment. That is not comforting words in our culture. In fact, our culture would look at that kind of thing and think, nice, Solomon. You just had to drag a thread in here, didn't you? You had to hold something over our head that is going to make this serious. You, you couldn't find another way to do this? And, and it happens because of the way we understand this word, or the way we understand the whole concept being put together. And what happens when you read something like this is you feel like someday you'll stand before God and be judged. And I think you might feel that way because that's exactly what's going to happen. That's exactly what's going to happen. But we should get the picture right so that you understand it. Have you ever been asked to clean your room? Some of you are going to have to think back really far. Like in a moment when somebody did that, maybe there's a few of you who think, no, my room has always been clean. Great, we love you, okay? Um, But for most of us, somebody at some point has said, clean your room or clean up this space or clean up that whatever. Some of you, (laughs) it happened Sunday right before you came to church. You know who you are, right? It happened. That happened to me this week. We, um, oh, she's laughing. It's not as funny as you think, right? So um, we were having company. And so my wife said to me, I want the living room cleaned, which means your stuff has to be cleaned up that's in here, and I'm giving you this date to do it by, right? That's all. That's awesome. Until she said this, she added, and if you don't, I will clean it up for you, which is terrifying because when she cleans up stuff, it goes into an abyss and I never see it again, right? You think it's messy. I know where everything is. I know where it is. I could go right to it right now and pick it up. When she's done with it, I don't know where anything is, right? So this is serious. I have my deadline. I've been told what has to happen. What do I do? I do what I do. Here's the edge of this carpet is the day that that has to be done. And here I am. Like I'm right up against it. Face smashed to the deadline. And I realize if I'm ever going to see this stuff again, I better get to work. And I started cleaning up. And I, I got to a point where I said, all right, honey, there it is. What do you think? And she said, it looks pretty good. I was, I'm surprised that you got it this far. And then she said, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? I said, yeah, I guess I could have got those. Off to the abyss they went. I have no idea where those things are. What just happened to me, what happens to you, is I just was judged. She just made a decision about whether the effort that I had given was adequate or not. Was it right? Was it okay? And and you've gone through that too. Somebody has said, I want you to do this, and then they decide, did you do a good enough job for this? Have you ever taken a test? Some of you, you knew the test was coming, and so you studied hard. Some of you, 
knew the test was coming and you didn't study at all, you know who you are, right? And the test comes and somebody takes that after you filled out your answers and they start to grade it. And in that grading process, what they're trying to decide is what's right and what's wrong. And they mark what's wrong as wrong and they leave alone what's right. They're judging. They're making a call about whether the answer that you gave was right or wrong. Here's the thing. We go through these processes all the time in our lives and never once when that's happening do we bristle and come up with this defensiveness that says, don't judge me, bro. Like, I didn't go to Tracy, don't judge me. Don't judge me. No, I cleaned up because I knew what was going to happen if I didn't. Like, stuff was going to go away. There, stuff that was going to happen. Here's the, here's the problem with this as we talk about it when it comes to God. Almost always, we talk about a level of punishment that God brings to this. Do this, or God's going to judge you. He's going to punish you. Can I submit to you that what God's going to do is give you what you want? He's going to give you what you want. If you've decided to live your whole life apart from God, the the day that you stand before him and he assesses that you chase meaningless stuff your whole life because that's what you wanted to do, he's going to let you keep holding on to meaningless stuff. That's what you wanted. If I wouldn't have cleaned up my that part of the space, I was basically telling Tracy, you can clean up after me. That's what I want is for you to clean up after me. And God simply gives people what they want. Listen, that idea that you would be apart from God, that, that is hell. Because as bad as it is on earth, Solomon just revealed that even in the bad moments, there will be good things that happen in your life that you could look at God and say, thank you, that was a good thing. I appreciated that. But what happens when all of that goes away? What happens when there's no good that comes spilling into your life from the hand of God? Because that's what you wanted. That's hell. And people choose that. And God says, if that's what you want, you can have that. I'm just making an assessment about what you wanted based on how you lived your life. I'm making that assessment. Now, for some followers of Jesus, this is tough because we have a desire to follow after him, but we're, we're all kind of messy at times. And our concern is that what's going to happen in this process of being judged is that God's going to reveal all of our junk that he's going to take all this hidden stuff and reveal it. Well, here's the problem. It's hidden to you and me because with each other, we're really good at hiding things. We're really good at putting on a face, pretending, hiding our motives, disguising an attitude. Like stuff leaks out, but we do it all the time. Um, Sometimes the best liars start by lying to themselves. And... You, you really believe the stuff that you say, but it's just not true. And here's the thing. When God looks at you, he looks past all of that noise and he sees what's true. It's not hidden to him. 
When he reveals the thing that you think is hidden, it's just obvious. It's right there. It's clearly seen. He knows what's going on in your heart. He knows what's going on in your life. And so he makes this statement. You will stand before me someday. You should be prepared. You know what's fascinating? He gives an example. He says, listen, um, how you live matters, who you join matters, but I'm going to give you an example because what God is doing here is not delivering a threat to us. He's trying to give us perspective for living, and it's actually going to be one of the most incredible things that has ever happened. But if you get the wrong picture, you end up with the wrong belief. It's not a threat. Listen to what he says. This is verse 10. Right after he says, every act is going to come into judgment from God. He says, so then, since every act is going to come into judgment, banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body. What? Listen, I, I know some anxiety that people experience. It's physiological. There's a lot of stuff going on. But a lot of it, a lot of it is stuff that we choose We choose worry. We choose to pile stuff on that are outside of our control. And Solomon's like, why are you doing that? It's a meaningless chasing after stuff that you can't control. And if you would just understand that someday you would stand before God and answer for the choices that you made, you'd stop wasting it on stuff that raises your anxiety level. You'd stop wasting it on these meaningless comparisons and these pursuits that everybody else is doing in your culture that you've compared yourself to. It's a waste of your time, and it's burning up your life. He says, stop it. What's fascinating is he ends that verse with, for youth and vigor are meaningless. (laughs) Which is kind of funny because he just used youth in verse 9 as man, I hope you enjoy this. But it wasn't to say, yeah, you should enjoy this because that's all you have. He was saying, look, if you put your hope even in that, it's meaningless. There is one place and one place alone for you to find hope and meaning. It's in a relationship, a connection with God. It's a choice to follow him for all the rest of your days. And here's the thing. That choice Understanding that I'm going to stand before God and answer for how I live is one of the biggest blessings to your life because it's not meant to be handcuffing you. It's meant to be your free ticket. But everybody else is doing this. Everybody else is getting the, that kind of job. Everybody else is getting those kind of possessions. I'm not going to. Why? Because I've made an assessment based on what God has for my life And for me to pursue that is meaningless, and I'm not going to do it. Yeah, but everybody else is, I know, not me. But all my friends, they're going to these places, they're doing these things, they're taking... Yeah, I know. But whatever they're doing is a chasing after the wind. It's meaningless. And if you would make an assessment based on the fact that you will stand before me someday and give an account as to what you're doing and why you're choosing to do it. It will make all the difference in the world because you can now have freedom to say, no, even though everybody else is doing that, no, I'm not going to. You know what's bizarre? 
This idea that you will stand before God and be judged someday is the very thing that gives, listen to this, this, because this is where Solomon has been going the whole time. I think it's incredible. It's what gives every part of your life meaning and purpose. See, he starts with saying everything's purposeless, like there's meaninglessness there. Don't pursue that. And he ends by saying, you'll stand before God someday. And because you're going to stand before God someday and answer for what you've done and how you've done it, it means everything that you do has purpose and meaning. Every word out of your mouth has purpose and meaning. Every motive that you have, every attitude that you carry, every moment of chores that you're doing, when you go to work, it all matters because it's going to stand before God and it's going to represent how you've chosen to live your whole life. And it's a gift. It's a gift to help you understand that every choice I make matters. You know why? Because there's a flip side to this that we almost never consider. When we hear about God's judgment, we almost always run to him grading the test and marking the answers wrong, wrong, wrong. But you know what happens on a test? He also says, you got this right. You got this right. You did good here. Nice job. See, there's this opportunity that at the end of your life, God could look at you in the eye and say, that was excellent. That was well done, my faithful servant. You, you cared about me. You put yourself on the right team. You chose to live in a way that honored me. That's awesome. Good job. See, it's both. It was always meant to be both. One of the reasons that we sometimes get upset about a test is that we're told what's wrong, but that helps us become better. In this case, for those of us who are following Jesus and the stuff that you're judged for gets revealed, we're going to feel sorrow for that. We're gonna, it's it's going to be disappointing because we're going to look at this thing that caused a barrier between us and God, and then it's going to be laid on Jesus and forgiven because what we wanted, what we wanted was to be connected to God. We just didn't do it perfectly. But God will bring that about. And in, in that judging, even those things will be made right in our life. But it's a gift. It, it's a gift. So that when you step out of here and you go into your life, you know everything that you do matters. In fact, Solomon ends the whole book this way. I, I found this when I was young. It impacted my life then. I think it has even more meaning for me now. These are the last two verses in the book of Ecclesiastes. He says this, Now all has been heard. I've said everything I need to say. I'm done. Here's the conclusion of this matter. I'm drawing a conclusion. Here it is. Fear God, keep His commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. If you would lean into this relationship that I'm offering you, if you would understand that someday you'll stand before me and we'll talk about whether you were trying to honor me or chase meaningless stuff, if you want life that matters, you're going to respect me. You're going to follow me. And then he reminds us, this is, this is about having purpose in every area of your life. For God will bring every deed into judgment 
including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. He's going to do both. See, it's frustrating if you take a test and you haven't studied for it because you don't know how well you're going to do. But this is why Solomon's telling us straight up, you know what's coming at the end of your life. At the end of your life, you're going to be graded. There's going to be a moment of accountability. You'll be judged. And what God's going to look at is did you decide to follow after me and try to honor me with all of your heart or did you waste your life on meaningless stuff that didn't get you anywhere? And Solomon's providing a different perspective that leaves us with this question. How will you live? How will you live? Will you pray with me? God, it's fascinating how we get so much wrong that we we think this moment where you would judge us, where you would hold us accountable, where you would grade our lives is meant to be a demeaning thing that's horrible. And what we've missed is that by doing so, by doing that, you've set us up to have every moment of our life count. It matters. It matters what we say. It matters where we go. It matters what we do. It all matters. It has purpose to it. But it only matters if we care about you, care about your kingdom. So God, I ask that you would help us as a people to evaluate are we chasing the meaningless stuff? Is that what's eating up our times? Are we comparing ourselves to each other, filling our lives with worry and fret? Or can we just pursue you knowing that we will stand before you someday with the opportunity to face what we've done wrong and the opportunity to hear you say, good, good job, well done. God, I ask that you would move in hearts this morning, that people would genuinely ask themselves, how will I live from this point forward? How will this change? This new perspective that Solomon offers, how will it change how I live? I ask that you would force that conversation in our hearts. I love you. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen.